can be seated tonight. Where are we turning? Matthew chapter 10. <laughs> We're not going to turn to Romans tonight. We'll pick it back up. Romans chapter 10. I'm so used to saying Romans on Wednesday. Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. We are going to finish Romans. We're not even through the chapter 8 yet. But tonight we're going to go to Matthew chapter 10. I, I just uh, felt some direction today, this morning. And when I was really contemplating if that was right, I got a, I received uh, just some information that confirmed to me that I was heading in the right direction. So we're just going with that. Is it okay if we just follow the Lord? Thank you. I'm glad. Romans chapter, I said it again. Matthew, Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to begin reading with verse 16, but I'll tell you what the setup is. Jesus in chapter 10 is commissioning the 12 apostles, and he's uh, beginning to um, tell them what to do to go out into the Preach the heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He says, you've been freely, you've freely given, you've freely received, so freely give. He's commissioning the apostles. And then in chapter 10, verse 16, he kind of change, changes gears and he begins to tell them what to expect. Now, this is one of those things that a theologian or a, a Bible scholar would call within the law of double reference what technical terms are. Jesus is speaking to them directly about their imminent situation where they're at, but he's also speaking at large to the people. To, and, and when you, when you read further in, it even indicates all the way through the uh, kingdom age to the second coming. So this is, a, this is a broad statement Jesus is making. Okay, you with me? Matthew 10, 16, let's begin reading there. He says, look, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. We could stop there, and that's pretty interesting. Because who does he, who's sending? He is. He's talking to the apostles. He's talking to us. He said, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. How many of that? No, that's not a great formula. <laughs> I'm going to send you out to get eight. <laughs> He said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore, the therefore is in light of what I just said, listen to me, right? I send you out as sheep amidst wolves, therefore be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So we're going to talk about that statement here in just a moment. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, listen to verse 19, but when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what you will speak. For it will be given you at the time what you will speak. For it is not you to speak, but the Holy Spirit of your Father who speaks through you. This is talking about spiritual persecution. This is talking about spiritual war, that it's going to happen. And let's keep reading just for a second. 
says the brother will, listen, I I talked about this a little bit Sunday. I mentioned it. Brother will deliver you, or the brother will deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children will rise against their parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end, there's the indication of all the way through to the second coming, but he till endures till the end shall be saved. Uh Uh-oh, I lost my screen. Because sometimes I read here, sometimes I read there. (laughs) When they persecute you in this city, now did you notice a key word in verse 23? When. When. Not if. When. They persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Again, there he's talking about second advent. A disciple, listen, who are we? Followers of Christ, right? What does disciple mean? It means follower. We're supposed to be followers of Christ. The word Christian means what? Christ-like. It was actually, they were not called Christians until when? Remember, until Antioch. Actually, it was meant as when they first called the believers Christians, it was actually meant to be a slur. It was a, it was a slight. It was a, it was, they were mocking them, calling them Christians. Oh, you're like Jesus. Well, we picked it up as a compliment. But, so, but when, when, when Jesus called disciples, it was to follow him. Remember, he would pass by, he would say, follow me. And then when he, gave, when he talked about what we're supposed to do, he says, if any man comes after me, he must first what? Take up his cross daily and take up your cross and what? Follow me. So we're, we're, we're supposed to be disciples, followers, okay? A disciple or a follower is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master, It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call of those household? Therefore, there's another therefore, do not fear them. You hear this? Do not fear them. He just said, I'm going to send you a sheep among wolves. Don't worry about what you're going to say. They hated me. They're going to hate you. Sometimes it'll come from in their own, your own family. Did you hear that? He said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. They call me, they call me the, the worker of the devil, Beelzebub. Remember one, one time the, the Pharisee says, he's a Beelzebub. I like that word. And he said, and they were trying to say he was a devil. And he said, I'm not a devil. How can the devil cast out the devil? And he said, if they called me Beelzebub, they're going to call you Beelzebub. There's, there's going to be people hate you and call you a devil just because you're a believer and they don't like what you say. Yeah? He said, relax. Therefore, do not fear them. I'm going to send you out as, as sheep to the slaughter. <laughs> I'm going to send you out sheep among wolves. Don't worry about what you're going to say. They hated me. They're going to hate you. It could come from your own family, but don't fear them. All right, Jesus. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. How many know the Spirit of God knows it all? Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, that's us. 
Whatever he said, whatever I tell you in the dark, he tells me things in the dark. He does that often. It's kind of funny. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And whatever you, whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? Scroll. <laughs> but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Some people's that's easier than others. Do not fear, therefore, for you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him will I also, him will I also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think, I talked about this Sunday, we're reading more than usual, but listen to me. Do you recognize some of this from Sunday? Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now hold on, somebody said, well, he's the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And let me tell you when the Prince of Peace is, when there's going to be peace on earth? There's going to be peace on earth when the Prince of Peace, he came as a, as a lamb the first time. He came as a baby. He came meek and lowly. He came as a lamb. The second time, he's not coming. At, there's nobody going to beat him. There's no one going to balk him. There's no one going to spit in his face. They're not going to pluck his beard. They're not going to make fun of him. They're not going to strip him naked. They're not going to, they're not going to beat him to smithereens. They're not going to hang him on a cross. And none of that stuff is going to happen. He's going to come back in power and great glory. He, 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 he came as a lamb, he, and he's coming back as, as a lion. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming back king of kings and lord of lords. End of story. He said, for I've said, let's see. Back up one, I'm sorry. Back up to 34. Do not think that I come to bring peace, but a sword. He, he is, but I come to, uh, okay, for I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those in his own household. This is talking about end times. This is talking about the stumbling block, the offense of the gospel. Jesus Christ is the stumbling stone. He is the offense. It's not religion. It's him. People don't have a problem with religion. They have a problem with Jesus. You with me? What verse am I on? 37. He who loves his father, I said this Sunday, he who loves his father or mother more than me, Jesus speaking, is not worthy of me. He who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he, who, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for your word. Lord, I ask you to help and give us clarity. Lord, that we speak your words and that we speak your truth. Lord, that, that nothing more, nothing less. Lord, help us today in the hour that we live, and we'll be thankful for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to go back and deal with, we're going to deal with a lot of these things tonight, but one of the keys we want to look at as we get into this is therefore, in verse 16, therefore be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. What does that mean? 
Well, he's, he's, he's talking about, um, he said, the word reminded them of their apostleship and this digni- their dignities and their duties. They were sent by Christ. He's talking about, I'm going to send you out sheep unto, unto slaughter. But they're going to be sitting in the midst of dangers, they and we. We're going to be sitting in the middle of danger. Now listen, in the American church, we've kind of had some privilege for a long time. Do you agree with that? I think all of us can see clearly the last few weeks in Afghanistan what the cause of Christ can cause, people, can cause for people. You know about the stories of China. You know what's happening in any Muslim nation, really. And all over the world, it's Jesus that they stumble over and they'll kill you for it. And, and there's mindsets that is, although we have been very protected and very blessed, and very, that, uh, that those days are quickly coming to a close. That we should expect a change. Well, well, we shouldn't expect it. It's happening. There is, a, there is a change in attitude in the day that we live in toward Christians and Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about the kind, the kind when they poll the crowd and say how many are Christians and, and 90%, of, uh, 90% of America, I think it right now it's at 78 or so percent, this last I heard, 78% of America says they're Christians. Well, that's not true. They, they, may, they may be Christian as opposed to they're not Muslim or they're Christian as they're opposed to they're not Buddhist or a Christian. As they, you know, they may, they may have a grandma that went to church one time, so therefore we're all Christians. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the true blues. We're talking about the ones that name the name of Jesus and live by it. The closer we get to the, Paul, Paul talked about it in his letter to Timothy. You've heard me mention it many, many, many times. He talked about the dangerous times of the last days and what to expect. Men will be lovers of money rather than lovers of God, that they would be lovers of pleasure, that they would, be, uh, they would lose natural affections and that children would turn against fathers, fathers against children, etc., etc. We've talked about that many times, trying to cover a lot of ground to get where we want to go. We talked about big things this past Sunday, and we're going to revisit a few things. I want to tell you some, uh, 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 complete this dream I told you about in detail, and then I want to answer a few questions. I felt it important because of the time that we're in to address some of these things in more detail and to answer some questions that I've had sent to me this week. And by the way, I don't mind questions. In fact, I kind of like questions. I don't like, I don't li- I like questions in good faith. Let's put it that way. If you ask me a question and you really want to know the answer, I can handle that. If you ask me a question when you really never did want it, or you, or, or you want me to agree with you, and I'm only going to agree with you if I agree with you. So if you ask me a question wanting your opinion to come out of my mouth, we might have a, we might have a problem. And there's another kind of question I don't like. I don't like the kind of question that you spend two or three or four or ten hours of research on for when somebody had their mind made up before they ever asked the question, and there's nothing you're going to do one way or the other. They're not really wanting an answer. They just want to argue. Now, that's no fun. That's a waste of everybody's time. But a question that's asked, that's asked and somebody's in good faith looking for answers, that we can deal with. In fact, that's healthy. That's healthy. Let's talk about something from, from Saturday morning. I alluded to it, told part of it um, Sunday about a dream from Saturday morning. Now, let me tell you something. Let's talk right here just a second. We are in a full gospel church that believes that, that, believes that everything in the new covenant is for us. 
We believe in all of it. We don't believe any of it's ended here. We, we, we believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that everything God ever done, He still does. We're, we don't believe it ended at the apostolic age, anything. So you understand me? So if you think, you know, I know a lot of kooks out there. If you want to put me in the kook category, I'm fine with that too. I've been called a lot of things. I've been called a lot of things lately. I ain't kidding. I've been called, uh, uh, what I get called here, uh, yellow-bellied, and uh, I can't remember what. I thought, I've never been called yellow before. <laughs> I've never been called a coward, and I've never been called, I've called several things the week before last, and, and I thought, well, that's new. But I'm, so, and I'm used to being called things, so that's no big deal. So if you think I'm crazy because I believe God gives me spiritual dreams, then you, just, you can just check out now. We'll be done in here in a little while. And you, can, you, had your, you had your dinner. You can pick up your kid. We'll see you Sunday if that's who you are. But if, but if you happen to still believe in these kind of things and believe you have a pastor that has a, has, a, has a knowledge of the word and a discerning spirit to know what's pizza and what's God, yeah, <laughs> then here we go. Because I think these things are important. That's why we're still discussing it. That's why we've been doing 17 weeks on Romans and we're not tonight because this is important. Right? I said I was standing on a high vantage point, like a, mil a mountain, a hillside, and I could see all the way to the horizon, a plane in front of me. I was high and the plane was low. I could see it all the way to the horizon in front of me, and I could see all the way to the horizon on my left and my right. So panoramically, I could see to the horizon all the way across. And as I, as I was viewing this wide plane, I saw in the distance all the way, I, I was even aware of the direction, if you wanted, I was, I was standing facing the west. So, and of course, the, long, the plane was running north and south. I was facing the west, and I saw in the distance, coming from west, rolling to the east, across all the way from north to south, as far on the horizon, every way you could see, I saw this, this what, what looked like, if you were standing at the beach, how waves come in. Is that an easy description? You can see them all the way across and see the swell. And as the swell was coming across, it was on land, and it was like an earthquake and tsunami, I guess, combined is the best way I can describe it. But it was, it was, not, it was rolling like, like a swell rolls. And as it would swell up, it would break the earth, it would break open and destroy, but there would be fountains of water that would bust up with it, almost like the water was causing it. But it, but it, was, but it was earthquake. I don't know how to describe that combination, but that's what it was. From north to south, rolling from the west, coming east. And it was, I could see that it was going to come all the way across. I was watching from a long ways, and it wasn't slowing down. It wasn't stopping. And as it rolled up, it broke the ground like an earthquake. I already said that water bursting up as it rolled. Uh, and it destroyed everything in its path. As it drew near, there was an urgency about what I was seeing, but no fear. We're not supposed to be afraid. And there was a knowing, a Holy Spirit would be would, where I would attribute it to, to, be, to get down on your face as it comes, 
And in the, in the wetness, because it was bursting as it rolled across, you follow me? Everybody want to make sure, because it's kind of, it's hard to describe, but so I wanted to make sure. To the, the urgency, the answer, if you will, was because you're thinking, okay, this is destroying everything. What do you do? You get down on your face <laughs> and to make sure you were in the areas of the water, okay? And it rolled, and it did indeed roll all the way across, destroying everything with it as it went by, but I was unharmed, unfazed. And really not even really startled. There was protection in the obedience in the, in the water. Okay? And then I saw, I'm not going to tell you who, so don't ask who, okay? When it was over, there was immediately a gathering of people. Some, most of the people I saw, it was not a whole lot of people, but the people I saw were some people out of this church. And it were people that I can only describe this way, that in the environment that we're in, and, and that, that get it. That know we're in unusual times, we're in dangerous times, we're further along than any of us probably want to admit, even me. But it was people that get it. Is that, is that an okay way to describe it? And there were some things that we began to, we, our, 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 our direction was, was to put together, A, a plan, look at everything, what do we do? Everything has been changed, everything has been shaken, everything has been, has been at least rearranged or if not destroyed. It is how do we regroup? How do we get our people? How do we regroup? How do we help? How do we bring people in, okay? And the other thing that was, that was starkly noticeable was a difficulty in communication, When I, I, I noticeably looked at the face of my phone, seeing that I had signal, but no ability to make a phone call, no ability to send a text. I flipped the phone up and what would appear to be a social media situation in my mind, I had the app, it, it, was, it was there, but no way to use it. I think if we are paying any attention at all, you're already seeing the opening salvos of that, of, of, of social media giants and media giants, and I believe communication companies themselves will join in soon, where, where, if, where you will be silenced if you stand for tr what's true. I don't mean you go you subscribe to the notion of Christianity. There's a big difference between subscribing to the to the principle of and actually being in. Okay? Why am I telling you this up front? And why going with this going with the scriptures? It says, look, I am sending you as sheep amongst the wolves. It's not always going to be easy here. In fact, it's going to get much harder very quickly. I, I want to, I, I've made some pretty broad statements that I felt like need to be made, and I'll probably repeat some of them, and didn't have time to fill in the gaps, but we're going to try to fill in some of the gaps tonight, okay? So can I just start out by just making a series of statements? Is that all right? Now, this is Wednesday night. We haven't done it this way in a very long time. I want to get some things out, but then again, I want to 
uh, welcome towards the end if there's, if there's questions, statements, whatever, feedback, okay? Um, you hear me say all the time we're in a spiritual war, not a political war, but the political war is the tool. You understand the difference? Then my hope is not in the political world. I don't believe there's a savior on the horizon that's coming in politically to save our skin. Do you know who that mostly sounds like? The, the one that everybody's looking to to save their skin? If you don't know anything about the Word of God, let me tell you how some. I'm, not, I'm looking for the Christ. See, I'm looking up. I'll look to the hills from which cometh my help. I'm looking towards the eastern sky. I'm, I'm looking for the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's it. But when you're looking for a man to come in and solve the political solution and bring peace to the whole world, the first one that's going to come with that notion is the Antichrist. How do I know there's no mark of the beast because there's no beast? How do I know that there's no beast because the Bible tells exactly how he will be revealed, when, how, and by what means you can identify him? Now, I'm telling you right now, we've had years. I used to not be much on teaching eschatology or end-time events, Bible. There was plenty of people doing it. I plan on checking out. I'm not going to be here when it happens. Why do I even care? That was my attitude. I'll tell you right now. That was my, I'm leaving on the first load. Everybody else can have it. I'm not going to teach you about everything that happens after rapture. There's plenty of people doing that, I thought. Well, now I have found out that that was ignorance on my own part because people, I'm finding out people wasn't taught the way I was taught. They wasn't, they wasn't, they didn't have years of, of the best Bible teachers in the world teaching them scripture and teaching them God's plan. And so now we have a lot of confusion because you end up with a few uh, contradicting views. Some of, them are, some of these are not salvation issues, so let's not even go there. But you got, we had, of course, uh, in the assemblies of God, and I believe the reason we are is because it's scriptural. Because <laughs> so, I don't, I subscribe to the reason I am is because. Let me say this real quick. The reason I've stuck with this thing is because everywhere I dig, we've got it the closest to right that I can find anybody else. Because I can tell you if we're wrong, I'm going to tell you we're wrong. I, I, assemblies of God didn't save me; Jesus did. So you know, the day that the assemblies of God are are, are wrong fundamentally, then I'm going to check out on that. I promise you. Period. But so we're pre-tribulation believers. What does that mean? That we believe that, that God is not going to pour out His wrath on His people that that just because He never has. <laughs> that's enough for me. He never has, and He doesn't change. That he's going to pull his church out before there's a rise of Antichrist, before there's tribulation, before there's great tribulation, before any of that. So there's a pre, there's a that's the pre-tribulation mindset view worldview. Then there's the mid-tribulation. There's a lot of there's not a lot, but there are some churches, some movements that teach that the church is going to go halfway through the tribulation, the first three and a half years. They're going to go through the tribulation, but not the great tribulation. Okay, I don't believe that. Well, the idea is that the church needs to be purified by, by, by persecution and wrath. Well, if you think about what you just... That's the idea behind uh, mid-tribulation and post-tribulation believers is that the church needs to be purified. Listen, if we're not purified by the blood of Jesus, there's no wrath going to take care of it. 
Uh, We are purified, we are bought and washed, made clean, justified, made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. God God has never poured His wrath on something to clean it. Okay? So just a second while I say, duh. So that's mid-tribulation. They believe we're going to see three and a half years of tribulation before it goes into the great tribulation. Then there's post-tribulation. Trib. That's the people who believe we're just going to go through all of it. That God's going to pour out everything he's got on his family, on his body, on his bride. No. You can believe that if you want to, but you're wrong. You can probably even make it to heaven believing that, but you're still wrong. And then there's the cute people. That they, what, there's the one, there's their, their, we got pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and then we got the pan-trib folks. They're, they're so cute. What's the pan trip, folks? They just believe it's all going to pan out. They ain't going to worry about it. Well, that's cute, and that's a position. I was almost in the... I mean, I knew what, the, what, what was right teaching. But I just didn't feel it necessary. Just tell you, all I want to tell you is get saved and get out. Right? And I still want you to know that. Get saved, get out. But... Uh, it's became very, very apparent to me that, that having a wrong teaching and wrong believing on the things of end times event has causing way more difficulty than I could have ever imagined for people just believing right. It messes them up everywhere. So everybody's looking for the beast. Everybody's looking for the mark. Well, I can tell you, uh, back to how are we going to know this beast? There's no beast without, a, there's no mark without a beast. And there's no beast. How do I know that? Uh, and we're not looking for a political solution because that's actually going to be what causes the rise of the beast. It's a political solution. And so what's going to happen? How are we going to know who this beast is? Are you still with me? Am I talking too fast? This man of sin, the lawless one, Antichrist, the beast, the great dragon, whatever you want to call him, how is, he going to be, how is the world going to know who this is they're not going to call him that they're going to think he's the savior they're going to think he's messiah they're going to think he's it how what is going to be the scriptural mark of who he is the scriptural mark of who he is is a the church will be gone period he may very well be alive on earth today in fact i probably think he probably is I think he probably, he's just a man. He's born of a woman, going to have a childhood, going to be, have a, be a, a smart mouth teenager, going to be a 20-year-old that thinks they know it all. They're going to get about 28 and know that they don't, hopefully. And somewhere in the middle, their brain's going to connect to their spinal cord and become a thinker. What am I saying? He's going to be, be just like everybody else. <laughs> and he's going to be a charismatic, slick, smooth-talking Deceiver. And what's going to happen? What's going to be the mark of him? He is going to bring the whole, all the nations of the world into agreement over Israel. He's going to, he, is, he, he is going to be the one that causes the Muslim nations that hate them and want to destroy them. Their, goal, their whole goal in existence is to destroy the Jewish nation. Period. Not only them, but the atheists of, of, of China, the, 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 well, the communists of Russia, they're all going to converge and they're going to try to destroy the Jewish people. And there's going to come a man that with such charisma and such negotiating skill and such, and, and what it is, I, can I say it this way without confusing you? It is an anti-anointing. It's a fake anointing. 
It's supernatural is what I'm trying to tell you. Because everything the enemy has, everything God has, the enemy has a counterfeit. You with me? He's going to have a supernatural ability to bring people together. And they're going to come in agreement and they're going to sign a literal peace treaty with Israel. And the whole world is going to be at peace with Israel. You with me? I suspect, now this is speculation. I'll tell you it's speculation. How's that going to work? We know that he's going to rise out of the old Roman Empire. The Bible is really clear about that. So he's going to come out of the nations around the Mediterranean, blah, blah, blah. That's theological, blah, blah, blah. And I suspect, because there's one thing the Bible is clear about, that they're going to bring all these things together and that they're going to build a temple, which is what the Jewish nation wants right now. Right? Ever since 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed, they've been trying to rebuild it. And they're going to. They're very close to it. But there's one problem. There's a mosque in where, that, where that temple is supposed to be, and there's a shrine where that temple is supposed to be. Some people want to argue over the location. That's not the point. The point is, the point is, is, is that, the, that Islam and Judaism are going to come together and allow that temple to be built. The Bible says so. That's going to happen during the, the first three and a half years of, of the reign of the beast. Okay? And I suspect, what was my speculation? Here's my speculation. It's for what it's worth, it's speculation. I'm, the Bible says he'll, be out of the, uh, the, he'll rise out of the nations of the old Roman Empire. And how is that ever going to work? I believe that he will be a Jew, Jew by birth. That means his mother was Jewish. Because Jewish count their, Jews count their ancestry, uh, their Jewishness. Now, I've never understood this, I have to admit, because your lineage comes from your father. Your bloodline comes from your father. That's every society, right? But Jews, you're only a Jew if your mother's a Jew. Father Abraham... Y'all know he had many sons. <laughs> but you're only a Jew. If you're a natural-born Jew, you, both parents are Jewish. But if only one parent's Jewish, it has to be your mother. Interesting. Huh? I think that's interesting. So if you have a Jewish daddy and a Gentile mother, you're a Gentile. But if you have, if you have a Jewish mother and a Gentile daddy... You're a Jew. Now, Islam's a little different. Your ancestry comes from your father. If you're born a Muslim, you're born a Muslim through the lineage of your father. I believe this man of sin will have a Jewish mother and a Muslim father. That's speculation. I'll just tell you right now. But I thought there's going to have to be a man that the Jews accept as a Jew, and there's going to have to be a man that the Muslims accept as a Muslim, and they're going to have to have a way to come together in agreement and to build those and have that temple beside that mosque. That's clear. I'm laying too much groundwork, aren't I? No, I'm trying to bring you, how are you going to know who this is? That's, it's the man, the beast is the man that brings the world into agreement and signs a, it's, he's, a li he's a liar. He's not, he really has no intention of, of having peace with Israel. He's just setting himself up into power. It's all for his own benefit. 
And halfway through this tribulation, when it hits the era, he's literally going to be indwelled by, by Satan himself. He's going to take on the, 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 the spirit of Satan. He's going to, he think he was a bad dude before. He's going to be a really bad dude now. And he's going to take that, te- that temple that has just been set up, and he is, going to, he is going to desecrate the holy place and set himself up as God to receive worship from the people. That's when all hell breaks loose among the Jewish nations, okay? Now, why did I tell you all that? For one thing, you needed to know where we're at in history. It's important for you to, I got to talk quick. It's important for you to know that we, that we are not in the time of the Antichrist, that we're not anywhere, there's no one taking the mark of the beast. There's no one in danger of taking the mark of the beast. No one's going to take the mark of the beast on accident. Go read Revelation 13 when he talks about the, the, the time when the mark comes. It's, it'll tell you that he calls the people to worship the beast. Even in his awfulness, he will be the object of their worship. Yes, Revelation 13. Go read it. He, will be, he says that the beast will cause the people to worship him. And then it says he will cause the people to take his mark so they can buy and sell. This is important. You need to understand. I told you Sunday, I think, that this mark, it will, for a, it will be a mark. It will be, it says, on your right hand or on your forehead. Now I'm going to say something just flat out smart alecky right now, okay? Ain't nobody getting a shot in the top of their right hand or in their forehead. I don't know one person said, well, I'd like mine in my forehead, please. And it may leave a, it may leave a Band-Aid spot for a minute, but it's not going to leave a permanent mark. I'm just being a smart aleck. I want people to understand that, that the Bible is, is very clear on these things. It's not some mystical trying to figure it all out what he's talking about. He wrote it down. Not going to get finished. You say, well, I've read Revelation. Man, it's just a lot of, it's, it's all symbolic. That's what people want you to believe. It's all symbolic. No, sir. It's all literal. Every bit of it is absolutely literal. Well, I don't know about that. I've read it. Well, first of all, read what he said. He said there's a blessing to people who read, just read the book of Revelation, the Revelation. It's not Revelations. It's the Revelation. And he told John, he said, the blessed, there's a blessing that comes to people that read this book. So if you want a blessing, just read the book. Okay? And he said, John, write the things that I show you. That's important. He didn't say, put it in code. Make it where nobody can understand it. Write the things that I show you. What am I telling you that for? Because John will say, how could it be literal? He said he saw uh, things flying that had the face of this and the tail of that and had stingers that were, and went in every direction. Y'all know all the Okay, you, know, you follow me? Now let me ask you a question. I've asked it before, but it's a really, really good question. This is why I want you to know that the revelation is literal. If you were a guy from the first century, the most advanced technology you've ever seen was a, was a Roman chariot, perhaps, and a shield, bronze shield, right? 
bronze and an iron spear. That's the best, the biggest technology you've ever seen. That was the, that was the technology that, that took over the known world when Rome conquered, conquered the known world, right? Chariots, horses, shields, you know, spears, some chain things with spiky things, you know, all that cool stuff. Gladiator stuff, right? Well, you got that guy. That's the most he's ever seen. And he's out on an island by himself, and the, and the Spirit of God, Jesus himself, comes and, and says, I'm going to show you all of it, and I want you to write it down. He showed him, the, the Bible says that he said, there's stuff, I want you to write this part. And he showed him other stuff that he couldn't even write. Boy, wouldn't that be something? Why did he see that he didn't write? That means there's more. But I got a question. When, when we got to the age that we're living in now, if you, how would you describe a Black Hawk helicopter that come through the air that, that, stung, that stung like a thousand scorpions or something of that nature? How would you describe it? How would you, how, how would you to, when it talked about that, that he saw the hills melt like wax, how would you describe the fallout from a nuclear explosion? How would you describe that? That's not figurative, it's literal. He was writing down what he literally saw and describing it with the best words he had. Why am I saying all of this? I'm bringing us to a place. Wednesday night needs to be twice as long as it is. And y'all think, God help us. <laughs> I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he begins to describe what he's, going to, what he's sending his people out to do. And in the immediate, you know that in the apostolic age, where then they immediately come under this kind of persecution. And he, he sends it all the way to the end of the age, till the time that he comes. And it puts it to what I believe is our time. Do, we, do you believe we're at the end of the age? I do. I believe we're there. And he said, I need you to go out and be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Wise as serpents, what did that mean? He, it wasn't, it, he, remember the serpent in the beginning, before the fall, he says the serpent was more cunning, more crafty, more, more slick than all the beasts of the field. He said, I need you to, I need you to be wily and smart like the serpent. One of the things that when I started digging in the words and it started talking about descriptives is that, uh, is that the serpent was able to get away at the first hint of danger. There's going to be time. There, th let me just read you something, okay? Will that be all right? Their task seemed hopeless. This is, this is, this is scholar breakdown of, of sending out the apostles. Their, their task seemed hopeless. Hopeless. A few weak men were to sent to grapple with the might of the heathen world. Talking about Rome. Their case seemed desperate. Success seemed impossible. But it was the Lord who sent them. Here was where their hope lied and where their strength was. And he tells them how to conduct themselves. When he says, be wise as serpents, gentle as doves, it is Jesus telling them how to conduct themselves. It's one of the things I've been talking Sunday. One of the things I'm driving at is that we're in the midst of a war and we need to know how to conduct ourselves. 
We need to know when to fight, when to run. And by the way, there is a time to fight. Not every hill, I talked about here a while back, listen to me, repeat it to me. Not every hill is worth dying on. Choose your battles, know what's important according to the word of God. He said, there, listen to me. He tells them to, how to conduct yourself. They were not to court martyrdom. They wouldn't look to die. You hear me? By the way, that's what the lie of Islam does. They actually go looking to die. Some of us might die, and we're not supposed to run from these things, but we're not supposed to look for ways to get in danger. There's a scriptural word for that, a Greek word that's called dumb. They were not to court martyrdom. They were to be wise, prudent, careful not to give a necessary offense. This is what the words break down to, the language in, in, in Greek, the, the original, what he was saying, how to conduct themselves. To be wise, prudent, careful not to give unnecessary offense. Their lives were precious. They were to preserve them by all lawful means. Wise as serpents. Harmless as doves. The harmless as doves is just exactly what it meant. We're not supposed to do harm to, to our people's spiritual walk as a Christian. Doesn't mean we don't preach strong things. We certainly are instructed to preach strongly. We're to stand for what is true. What is true is what is in that book. The dreams that the Lord has been dealing with me about is, is as I am, there's no doubt in my mind, and you've got to make up your own mind what you think about it, is we, we are facing a situation of spiritual trouble that's going to manifest physically. That you're going, We're going to see things that you're not going to hardly be able to believe, and it's going to change everything. Yes? And the answer is, let's see, that's a spirit, the spiritual, I called... Uh, well, I called a couple of people today describing these things. People are supposed to be in the know about dreams and spiritual matters and see if what they thought. And, and they were uh, pretty much in agreement with what I thought. They gave me a little more detail. But one thing is that this is not a, uh, this is a, this is spiritual in its scope that will probably manifest physically. Every, uh, we can see everything's changing. And the flashes of what we are already seeing in our government and around the world are just that. They're, they're, they're flashes. It's, it's fixing to gain a head of steam and, and, and begin rolling like we've never seen before. Okay? This is the reason that's important enough to be on my third service talking about it, and I'm going to get to answer some questions here in just a second is that we got to recognize that the answer wasn't, wasn't to try to stop the wave. You can't. Let me say something really quick. Am I still all right, everybody? Let me say something really quickly that we need to understand. The Bible says that judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. It's not going to begin in the society. The Bible says that judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. He's going to clean his own house. 
He's going to do just exactly what he asked us to do when he talked about Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged, and, and says for with the same merit that you, that you give that you're going to receive it. And it says if your neighbor has a, a law, has a speck in his eye, he says for you, and you, but if you have a log in yours, don't be trying to mess with your neighbor's speck when you've got a log. You with me? It says first remove the log out of your eye so that you can see clearly to help your neighbor remove the speck out of there. So it's very clear that he's saying don't be hypocritical in these things. He said take care of you, you first. Make sure you're in good standing or you can't even see to help somebody else. God's doing the same thing. He's not asking. He doesn't do anything he didn't ask us to do. He said judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. He's not going to take care of out there before he takes, starts in here. There's something I want you to know about the, what the dream about the, ro- about the rolling, that you, there's no need to even try to stand up against it because you cannot stop that, uh, the supernatural power of God himself. There's something else we need to know, that when God, decide, when God judges something, you cannot, re- listen to me, you cannot rebuke judgment. You can pray for mercy, but you can't rebuke it. It's not going to stop it. There was, no, there, was no, there was no Moses on the mountain moment in this dream with Aaron and her holding it to stand against the tide of what was coming. It was get on your face. That's a position of humility, of humbleness. Get, make sure you're in the fountains of the Spirit. Because that's where your protection will be at. And that's where your wisdom will be at. That is what will spare you. And everything is being, uh, being that you, as life as you know it. Uh, Pastor, what is it all going to be? I mean, is it going to be destroyed literally? Is it going to be a political upheaval uh, of, of biblical proportions? Is it going to be, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe all, I suspect it'll be a combination of all of it. I, I, I believe America, I've said it before, it upsets people. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm an optimist, I promise you. If you know me at all, you know that I, that I know that we win. And that I'm not afraid and that I, I live every day happy. And that I, so they, somebody called me humorless last week. Somebody commented on the, face, uh, the church's Facebook page. You have no sense of humor. I thought... Please stop. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I'm not Mr. Doom and Gloom, right? But he tells us he's going to upend it all. And why is it? I can tell you why. It's because that, that, that we became so idolatrous and so prideful and so looking to everything else except to him. Now, he's going to have a church and a people, a powerful church and a powerful people. And that power is going to come in humility. That, that power is going to come whenever you know that there's nothing you can do with it. You better get down on your face and, 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 and be washed in the fountains of the deep and, 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 and let his power do what it's going to do. Then our job, our, our spot will be in this old dark world is to be light in the darkness. It will be to come together 
It will be, it, that is when, I believe that is when, I believe that is when you're going to see revival in America and the world is whenever people are so shaken that they're finally shaken to a point to look for an answer. They're looking for an answer. The first pan, we've had a pandemic of sickness. The next pandemic will be Persecution. You better know who you are. What you see, I'm trying to, uh, I'm always about the word. I'm always pointing you to the word. And, I, and we're not waiting around the edges of the shallows here lately. We're, we're trying to get into the depths of what it says. That we, a, a church at MAG, finally, where we, can, where we can dig into the meat of where we're at and, and, and be equipped for the war. Because we are in a war. And it's only just begun. I, I, I do not believe. Some, I've had three people at least text me this week from out of town. These were happened to be. Do you, their question directly in one form or another was this. Do you believe America can be saved? No. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't. I don't believe we're ever going back to the good old days of good time rock and roll. I, I just don't. I don't see that. As a matter of fact, I think America will be humbled, uh, probably politically humiliated. I think we've already seen some humiliation in the last month. I'm trying to get to trying to get there, I promise. I saw a thing. I'll just throw something out there, making a point. Y'all, well, y'all saw what the world saw. That This president shouldn't have survived the Afghanistan stuff, but he's being propped up still. Whatever. We're finding out that, uh, that the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is a flat-out traitor. I'll, I'll say it. I said it Sunday. I'll say it again. Our rank and file is the finest in the world, and I support them. But we have lost it at the top of our military. They're 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 skunks. They're they're low down snakes. The man is a flat out traitor that ought to be on trial for treason. And the president said today he fully supports him. You know what that is doing. Spitting in the face of the American people and of God. No humility, no humbleness, none whatsoever. I'll do what I'm going to do. The rest of you be damned. I'm doing it. That's what they're doing. That's not a humble position. The whole gig is being set up come after the church they'll come after us listen I, I i'm not a pastor greg Locke fan i don't mind telling you that i'm not a greg Locke fan most people know who he is i'm not a fan i i i, I think i'm just not a fan but just yesterday he was the first pastor with any following with a verified account he was the first pastor in the world that's been banned from twitter because of what he posts 
Meanwhile, the leader of the Taliban still has an account. They're coming after our, our ability to communicate, I promise. Brandon will tell you that we are constantly, we're on a zillion platforms. We're a little behind on some podcast stuff right now, but that's because we've been a little tied up. We'll catch up. We're on every platform we can get on, for, for, and including we now stream through our own website and our own, and our own app. So we're trying to stay ahead of whatever may boot us, right? Why am I saying all that? Because we better be thinking ahead. You got to play chess. Checkers won't cut it. You with me? <laughs> The mandate stuff. I'm trying to get there as quick as I can. Because I made statements about vaccines are not a spiritual issue. And they're not. Mandate stuff is. So don't ever be mistaken in what I'm saying. You hear me? We're seeing the beginnings of tyranny. And when you're telling every corporation, every company, every employer in the United States that you, if you have 100 or more employees, you will require this, this, and this, and you can pass the cost on to your employees, whatever you need to do, but you're going to do it or else. We can't talk about all the, but the, the gist of it is you'll do it or else. That's tyranny. That's tyrannical, and that's just the beginning. And yes, it's affecting the employee. There, there are people that will have to make decisions, personal decisions, on how they want to handle that with their job. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. But I can tell you the next, what they're really pushing for and what the, next, what, the, what the goal is, is to push through things like this to get to the church. Because what it will come down to is you will do this. The church, you will comply. You're free to do whatever you want to. That's always the, You can do whatever you want to, but if you don't do this, and what it will be with the church, no doubt, no doubt is, is a tax status. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, is that a big deal? Well, there's all kinds of people that they'd love to see the church tax. They think that we're getting away with something. They, they think that we're, that we're all Joel Osteen and driving Ferraris with... $40 million houses, and they think that's what we all are when they know that most, pastor, most, pastors, most pastors in the Assembly of God make less than $30,000 a year, and they work bivocationally. The average pastor in the Assemblies of God, I can't speak for the, for the Southern Baptist, the average pastor in the Assemblies of God makes $32,000 a year total. So they ain't nobody getting rich. <laughs> And they think all this money that comes in that's untaxed, that if you pulled all the untaxed money, we have to include the Catholic Church and everybody in this. If you, so if you pull all of their tax exempt statuses, you, pull, you close half of the nation's hospitals. St. Elizabeth, <laughs> Baptist, you lose, right off the bat, you lose, you lose half of the nation's hospitals. You lose Project Hope, Amazing Grace, Teen Challenge. You lose John three sixteen. All these recovery, all these recovery ministries that operate under church umbrellas under tax exempt status, they're gone immediately. You lose 
half the, or more of the nation's food pantries. You lose, are you, do y'all hear me? And who has to pick up all that? The broke government? The ones that can't, already can't handle it? So you take away all, they don't care. They do not care. The goal is to destroy the church. I told you about it here. I'm going to cut to the end because I want to answer some. I want to answer a specific question. Why is this? I may pick this up Sunday. I won't start all over. I promise. <laughs> but I may pick it up Sunday. Maybe. And I don't know yet. It's important. It's important. Why am I saying? I I, I made statements that I, that I stand behind. Is that there all the squabbling and fighting and fussing over over vaccination statuses are they're a non-issue it's not a spiritual issue I said there is not one person that receives a vaccine or doesn't receive a vaccine that's going to stand before Jesus Christ in the end and say and have to give an account for receiving that vaccine it's not going to happen it's just not going to happen well then the questions are what about how they were developed or etc well I've spent much time in the last four days looking into all that. And what we have to do, first of all, Philippian letter says, uh, whatsoever things are true. So we have to start with things that are true, okay? So I I go to the government websites to see what they say about them, which, you know, we ain't going to trust all that because that's our nature. (laughs) So we go to the American Family, we we look at them, we look at American Family Association, their opinions, we we actually look at... uh, uh, the Catholic pro-life positions, what their positions are. Any, in other words, I'll just tell you, I have spent finding every pro-life group I could find. And, and Google made phone calls, whatever, about vaccines. Are you with us? I'm wrapping up. This is, I'm answering questions. And it all, it's coming down to, as a spiritual issue, about fetal stem cell DNA. Let's start with what's true, and I'll go as quickly as I can. Let's start out for the one thing that every, I say every, 90% plus of every medication of every kind right now that has been developed in the last 40 years, almost without exception, are, are developed and tested based on those fetal stem cell lines from 1970s and 1980. There's two of them. There's two, there's two stem cell lines. They were taken from aborted babies. They were voluntarily aborted. They wasn't aborted for the purpose of research. They were, they were aborted and given to research. Let's put it that way. That's bad. Everybody agrees that abortion's bad. Hands that, shed innocent, heads, hands that shed innocent blood, that's bad. That's what happened. Now, the truth of the matter is, is that they marked, they markered their the DNA, the fetal cells from, the, from those aborted fetuses, from the 70s and 80s, they, they have digitally and scientifically marker, marked, made DNA markers from those stem cell lines, and they continue to grow stem cell lines from those digitized DNA markers. What am I saying? 
Every single group, including the government, says that yes, the research and development is based on the DNA footprint from those fetal stem cell lines from the 70s and 80s. And every one of those lines is, is 1,000 to 5,000 times removed from the fetuses. In other words, it's completely lab-grown based on digital markers. Okay. Okay. So, bottom line is, is yes, they're, they're, the research is on some of these vaccines, are, well, on all of them. The, the initial research of, will this work, is tested on those, those lines. In other words, we've grown the stem cells, we're going to produce a virus in this, in this cluster, and we're going to see if this vaccine works. You with me? That's true. The bottom line is this two, these three things. Pfizer, Moderna do not use fetal stem cells in any way, shape, form, or fashion to produce their vaccine. Is their technology scary to me? It is. It's scary to me. Does it change your DNA? That's false. It does not. It's an RNA, uh, how, you, how you process protein. I've seen everything you can put out there. There's no DNA changes, period. You've got to deal with what's true. Uh, do you have the right to be scared for yourself to take any vaccine? Absolutely you do. That is your personal right. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is developed on the digital DNA footprint of those fetal stem cells. It's not, they're not used in the production of any form or fashion. So, so to say that somebody's injecting fetal stem cells because they get an, a, a shot is completely 100% false. You have to deal with what's true. It's not true. Research and development, yes. Thousand times removed from the fetuses, yes actually used and produced in the vaccine? Absolutely not. Okay? So it's not, by all accounts, it's not a pro-life issue. But if it's still a pro-life issue for you, that's fine. Nobody's arguing with that. At all. We're answering questions. Nobody's arguing with that. What is your position? I don't, there's some things I don't really give my position on much. I'm pretty open. Y'all think I'm pretty open? I think I'm pretty open. There's some things I, I don't, when it comes down to this, I don't give my position very much. But I'm going to give my position and my thought on this. Even if, which it's not, we've already dealt with what's true. Even if it was still somehow could be connected other than digitally and lab-createdly back to 40-year-old aborted fetuses, even if, this is my position, those babies were murdered. Everybody agree with that? It was murder. I, listen, I'm a hardliner on abortion. I, I don't mind telling you. I always want people to know in an audience of any size, you're going to deal with somebody who's been through it, has dealt it, had one. That the, that the blood of Jesus is good enough for you if you've repented, that if you've made it right, that's, it's, it's, your, your record is washed clean. I want everybody to know that. We should know that. Everybody said amen. 
But the babies were, I, I'm, I'm not an exception guy. I'll just tell you, y'all may think, I, y'all want to know if I'm radical or not. I, I believe that life comes from God, that he's in control of all of it, no matter how it happened. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't believe in exceptions for, for crimes and everything. I just don't. You can, you can have a different opinion than me, but I, if you believe that God's the author of life and you believe he's in charge of all of it, then, because I can tell you stories of some pretty, pretty famous, significant people that were the result of awful, they were conceived in awful ways. So I'm just going to tell you, I, want, I just want you to know, you're not going to find me soft on, on the abortion issue anywhere, ever. I, I, I don't believe there's an exception for it. So... Here's the thing. Babies were murdered. And I look at it this way. First of all, we've already dealt with what's true. You're not injecting anything fetal into you if you choose a vaccine. Here's another thing I want you to know. If you've got to go, I understand. We're trying to wrap down, but I want people to have their answers. Here's another thing you've got to understand. If you're an anti-vaxxer, I am perfectly 100% in agreement with your right to be that. I won't argue with you. I, you're, I, I, I'm, if we're into personal freedoms, let's say it this way. If we're into personal freedoms, then be into them. There's been a lot of fighting over that for the last 20 years, over just vaccines or no vaccines, period. If you're an anti-vaxxer, you are, you are absolutely entitled to that. I welcome you to have that. I'm not. I don't, I'm not even... Not even bashful to tell you that. I am not. I'm glad I don't have to die of smallpox. I'm glad, I'm glad I don't have to die of polio. I'm glad I, that my kids don't deal with, with rubella. And I'm, I'm glad. If, but if, if you have a different stance, that you're entitled to that. But it's not a spiritual issue. Do I know that people are vaccine injured? Yeah. I, I had a little girl in my church at Van Buren that had her shots and it paralyzed her. Period. She was quadriplegic little bitty girl paralyzed her Chaz I asked permission Chaz was uh, vaccine injured with, and uh, was diagnosed with Guillain-Barre because of a flu shot that's why he's still on a crutch today we know it's real I asked permission so y'all don't think we it's not that's not an argument but if you're going to be an anti-vaxxer own it and you own it for yourself own it. But it's your decision. And it's a personal decision. It's not a spiritual decision. You say, well, I can't, I can't take the position because of the fetal stem cell issue. You're entitled to that. But I'm going to tell you, here's another issue I want you to think about because people don't think things through. I was talking to Heather about it last night. If you get bit by a rabid animal or your child gets bit by a rabid animal, rabies... I'm talking, I'm just, I can take a name in a thousand scenarios, but let's go with it. Rabies is 100% fatal. 100, am I right, nurse? It's 100% fatal. You're not going to get through it. You're not going to get over it. You're not going to be treated through it. It's not going to be like a snake bite. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I won't. If you contract rabies or one of your children contracts rabies, you are going to die. Unless you're treated with the rabies vaccine. And the rabies vaccine is absolutely positively made for the same lines, the same research, the same everything as the, as the rest of them that were against based on those lines. I'm just wanting you to think.
I'm not, I, I'm not even trying to change minds. I'm just dealing with what's true. I'm not interested in changing minds. What I'm interested in is the tr- being wise as serpents, gentle as doves, knowing that we're in a fight of our lives spiritually and we are about to see it like never before. And, I want, and I'm trying to convince the church to stop majoring on the minors, straining at gnats while they swallow camels and, and putting condemnation on people because that's what it is. That's what it is. If it's a spiritual issue, then the Holy Spirit will get involved with it and he'll bring people to a point of conviction. But when it's a non-spiritual issue, it's no different for me to, to force my view on you over something that's a personal issue than it is for the government to mandate what you're going to do. You can't be for personal freedom on one side of your lips and, and for mandates on the other side of your lips. It doesn't work that way. I, I'm, I'm welcoming questions. I've been trying. It's 8.30. It's way past time. I've tried to lay a lot of groundwork that, to tell us where we're at. I'm going to expand on it some more Sunday. But the, I wanted to answer questions about why I could say the things I've said and the reason I'm saying them. Because I'm trying to prepare the church for where we are at and to be able to fight spiritually and correctly and to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves, knowing that the real enemy is out those doors, not in the house. Amen? I'm done. Sure. Everything we do in life is a choice. Yes. Well, I, here's the thing. I want to make very, very clear. I don't have a position on what you ought to do. I don't have a position on what you ought to do. I'm going to tell you, I'll just say this, and don't you dare ask me, ask me who, because I'll tell you it's none of your business. I have, there's me and Heather and five kids. Exactly half of our house is vaccinated and half of our house isn't. And there has never been one argument. Am I right? There's never been one argument. There's never been one criticism. There's never been one try to persuade you one way or the other. Here's what people ought to do. You ought to do whatever you have peace with. Because people do get vaccinated. There's no doubt about it. There's some people, there's no doubt in my mind that it has saved their life because they did. There's there are other people, there's no doubt in my life it would kill them if they do. There's no doubt in my mind that it's absolutely true. Say, I could talk about a lady in Desark that year before we came here that went to the ER because she had a, had a bladder infection. They gave her a shot of Rocephin and 10 minutes later she was in the cath lab because they thought she was having a heart attack and no, she was in anaphylactic shot from an antibiotic shot. There's a lot of medications that that can injure you and kill you. Lots of them. So that's, you have to, there, these are decisions you have to make for yourself. And I can tell you, there's, there's peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule your heart and act as an empire, settling with all fidelity every issue that arises. I'm not going to argue people's point of what they should do for their family. Do what you feel like you should do for your family. But here's the thing. Don't be making spiritual issues out of it when, when the Word doesn't make a spiritual issue out of it. And it's not a spiritual issue. 
It's a personal issue. We are, we are living in a world where our lives are so interconnected because of social media that we feel like we have the right to, to walk into other people's life. And I got to tell you, you just don't. You just don't. You do not have that right, and you ought to stop it. You ought to stop it. Before we leave, and I, I'm going to let everybody else, if there's other questions, I'll be happy to answer them if I can. But I want to do one thing before we leave at all, even though it's late. We need to pray for Richard Hargraves right now. Richard, Har, Richard has uh, had some setbacks in the last day. He is uh, in ICU. He's on a vent. They kind of expected it only be a couple of days and let his heal, lungs heal a little bit that he would come back, but I think in the meantime, he's starting to show some signs of kidney failure. I think they were testing for liver failure. Uh, Richard needs us to pray. So can we, if nothing else tonight, can you stand? Unless, Lord, we're just thankful for the word tonight, thankful for being together tonight, thankful for uh, speaking through your word, through song. But tonight, Lord, we want to bring Richard to you tonight. You know right where Richard's at. You know what he's going through. You know his heart. Man, he's a man of God. He's, he's yours. Lord, uh, we just put him in your hands. I know that there's been discouragement in his life in the last few days. And, and Lord, just to be blunt, we know that he's fighting for his life tonight, literally. And Lord, tonight I pray that if there's any way and there's any way in your will, Lord, in your great providence, that you would come and make and turn a situation around, that you would touch Richard's body right now and that you would, that you would bring him back to health. Lord, we pray for his daughter. We pray for Teresa tonight. We know she's tired, she's weary, she's discouraged, that she's, that she, that she's no doubt in an emotional state. Lord, that we pray tonight that you touch them and you give them sweet rest. And Lord, you give his doctors where they know exactly what to do to fight back. Lord, we lift him up to you. You're by his stripes, by your stripes, he's healed. Lord, we, we give you every opportunity to just be God in this situation. Lord, and we call on you. We intercede for our brother tonight. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'll, we'll see what happens next week and Sunday. If I pick it up or not. I'm right here.